The FT. Indonesia's President Joko Widodo was swept to power in October, promising widespread reforms and action to stamp out corruption. Popularly known by the Javanese name Jokowi, he is the first Indonesian president not to come from the military or the political elite. But his choice of an allegedly corrupt general for police chief sparked public anger and raised questions about his grip on the ruling party. Now he's withdrawn the nomination. But will this end the political crisis? I'm Fiona Simon, and on the line from Jakarta is Harry Jacks, who's been covering the controversy. Hi, Harry. Could you take us through the events of the last few weeks since Mr. Widodo made the nomination? Joko Widodo arrived in Indonesia State Palace in October with great expectations of reform amid widening inequality in one of the world's largest democracies, and I think it's fair to say he started pretty well most significantly by doing what none of his predecessors have been able to do. By the start of this year, he'd eliminated almost $20 billion from Indonesia's costly fuel subsidy bill, which had given the country's car-driving middle class some of the cheapest petrol prices in the region, but a third of people live on less than $2 a day. Now, to put that in perspective, Indonesia used to spend more on subsidizing fuel than on health and infrastructure combined. So Mr. Widodo had a good news story to tell going into the new year. But... He really walked into this political crisis in January by nominating Budi Gunawan, who is a powerful police general who ran the police's training bureau, to become the country's next police chief. Mr. Gunawan had been under investigation by Indonesia's Corruption Commission, which is known in Indonesia as the KPK, and he was named a suspect by the KPK three days after Mr. Widodo announced the nomination. One of the key things to understand about this month-long crisis is that Indonesia's police have a history of being at war with the KPK, which was set up in 2002 and modelled on Hong Kong's anti-graft commission. The KPK has used its wiretapping powers to bring down corrupt central bankers, scores of politicians, judges, CEOs and members of the police as well. It's regarded as one of the country's most trusted institutions, whereas surveys show a much less rosy picture for the police, which routinely polls on Transparency International's perception of the survey as one of the country's most corrupt institutions. During a previous conflict between the under-resourced KPK and the police, a police general characterized this battle as that between a gecko and a crocodile. And the Indonesian press continues to frame the sort of David and Goliath-type relationship through that analogy. Now, the police and the KPK had carved out a fragile peace over the last couple of years, but the KPK naming Mr. Gunawan a suspect after Mr. Widodo's nomination broke that ceasefire. And the police responded by exhuming years-old allegations against the KPK leadership in what activists say is an attempt to weaken it. Days after Mr. Gunawan was named a suspect, the police arrested a popular KPK commissioner while he was taking his child to school. They then named the KPK's chairman a suspect over two cases, one of which dated back to 2007. Anti-graft activists say this is all part of a police campaign to weaken the KPK after they pursued Mr. Gunawan. The police, of course, deny this and say that the timing was purely coincidental. This sounds like a standoff between the police and the anti-graft agency. How was it resolved? While all this was happening, Indonesia's parliament approved Mr. Gunawan to become police chief, which left Mr. Widodo less room for a face-saving exit, and he was faced with two choices. He could either give his final approval to Mr. Gunawan and risk looking weak on graft to an electorate that is very supportive of the KPK, or cancel Mr. Gunawan's nomination and deal with the political fallout. On Wednesday, he chose to cancel Mr. Gunawan's nomination, and he made concessions to the police as well by suspending the KPK's chairman and commissioner. How do you rate the president's handling of the affair? Has his reputation been tarnished? 
public anger really grew when the police arrested the KPK commissioner while he was taking his child to school. Since then, Mr. Widodo has faced accusations of being indecisive and that he's controlled by the head of his political party, Indonesia's former president, Megawati Sukarnaputri. Mr. Gunawan was Mr. Sukarnaputri's security aide, and the pair remained close. Now, analysts say that Mr. Widodo was pushed into nominating Mr. Gunawan by Megawati, and it was very difficult for him to row back on the decision for fear of exacerbating an already fraught relationship with Ms. Sakanaputri and his party. It's important to note that the party are loyal to her, not to Mr. Widodo. So he faced accusations of dithering, and it looked for a while like there was no easy way out of this. But analysts say that his choice of replacements for the police chief and the KPK leadership were pragmatic compromises given the circumstances. When the police arrested the commissioner in January, the hashtag Where Are You Jokowi was on Twitter's global trending list after he cancelled Mr. Gunawan's nomination on Wednesday, We Are Jokowi was, was briefly trending. So perhaps not a perfect indicator of the public mood, but he's bought himself some time for the KPK and the police to repair the relationship and also for him to sort out relations with his party. But it might not be the final act in this crisis. It's not entirely clear yet how Mr. Gunawan will respond to being dumped. Uh, there's a possibility that the police and the KPK might not back away from each other. And Mr. Widodo's new choice of police candidate, who is not entirely without controversy himself, still needs to be approved by a parliament that is broadly hostile to Mr. Widodo. Has the whole affair left the anti-graft agency weaker than before? Too soon to tell, really. Bambang Widianto, the KPK commissioner who was arrested by police in January, was one of the driving forces behind much of the good work the KPK does. He's now gone. Abraham Samad, the chairman, who's now gone as well, been suspended, was perhaps a more divisive figure. Some say Mr. Widodo's replacements at the KPK were fairly solid choices. Interestingly, one is a former police officer, which could help patch things up with the police. It's certainly fair to say the KPK has been weakened by this, and they probably won't be going after any more police generals anytime soon. But I think it's really too soon to tell how strongly and how soon the KPK will recover. And what about Mr. Widodo himself? Will he now be able to get on with the reforms he promised when he was elected? Much of the heavy lifting here has already been done. The fuel subsidy reform is the most pressing item. He's put in place reforms on foreign investment. In the future, Mr. Widodo is very strong on bureaucratic reform. He focuses on systems. He has introduced online catalogues for public procurements, for example, so there is less room for corruption when, say, a hospital buys its incubators because prices are all listed online. Another thing that is a pressing task is that he has promised to overhaul regulation of the country's aviation sector after last year's AirAsia crash. He's looking to boost tax receipts to 16% of the economy from around 12% now. And he'll make announcements on labor reform designed to raise productivity, bring more people into the formal sector, away from the informal sector where productivity and pay is less. Widening inequality is also a concern. But Mr. Widodo has a bit of time. He has a bit of room for maneuver now. What's the first thing on his agenda? Firstly, on his agenda will likely be to fix his relationship with his political party. This is key to this crisis. Ms. Sakanaputri and her party needed Mr. Widodo's personal popularity to win the election last year. But Mr. Widodo also needed the party's electoral machine. Mr. Widodo's base, if you like, is on social media, and his rise to the presidency came from a grassroots campaign of shares, likes, retweets, so on, that fueled much of the news cycle here. But that doesn't win you elections. He needed his party's electoral machine, the offices throughout the country that mobilized voters to the ballot box. And that's what his party had. This relationship was never going to be easy, Mr. Wododo and Ms. Sakanaputri and the political party. It looks more like an unhappy marriage of convenience. But relations have really reached a new low with this crisis. And there's some real work to be done 
for Mr. Widodo to re-establish himself as the strong, unafraid reformist that the people voted for. It's also not clear yet how badly this affair will damage Indonesia's commitment to fighting corruption. Thank you very much, Harry. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.